is America's newest rock and roll sensation, the California Kid, Richie Valens! He's a bit of a rattlesnake. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Movies We Were Way Too Young to See, a look at some of the most influential films we grew up watching, regardless of parental approval. I'm your co-host, Mowgli, and sitting next to me, as always, the man, the myth, the Malv. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy New Year, Malv. Feliz Año Nuevo. Happy New Year! What'd you end up doing? Oh, you know me. Get drunk, drink some twisted tea. Yeah, I was about to say, huh? The, all the cool kids are drinking those now, huh? I had to. Okay, I had white to... claws. Get out of here. Oh God, those are disgusting. Those are so. Those are so twenty twenty. Don't do that no more. Yeah. Well, we hope everybody listening had a wonderful New Year. Did the best that they could, regardless of the circumstances. Twenty twenty one is here. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for your support. You're the real MVP. Twenty twenty was a great year because that's when we launched our show. So we just wanted to say thank you to everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for support. We got really big plans for 2021 for this and our vision. I'm going to speak it into existence. We hope you stay along for the ride. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, without further ado, it's time to get into the movie we were way too young to see for the week. One that was on repeat as a child for me. I'm talking about the 1987 biopic, La Bamba. Richie! Richie! Oh, it's a timeless classic, bro. Timeless classic. Oh, yes. A film very near and dear to both our hearts. It introduced me to, to many different aspects, but most importantly, the song. Yeah, that was it, man. The music. The, the music the from music. Richie Valens, the time. Gosh. Beautiful, beautiful compass of it. You know, this is a little bit of a Freudian uh, um, analysis, too, that I'm going to say right here. But Richie's relationship with Donna is actually the foundation for my attraction to blonde, fair-skinned women. <laughs> like, it really is. It, it's embedded into my yeah. DNA. That's, that's how early on I was like, oh, Richie's cool. He likes Donna. I guess I do, too. That's how I was influenced, bro. I was like, he's got a white girl. I need one of those, too. Yes, yes. So, yeah, uh, that's just a little thing that, um, that you know, looking back at it now, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of did. Yeah, I can see that there. Let's get to the what. What age were you when you first saw this movie? I was around five years old, and like I said, this I know for sure this was like a Channel 9 movie for me. K-Cal, huh? This was one of like those random K-Cal afternoon movies. Like They only had like a solid good ones that they played. Uh, shout out to everybody here. On our other segment that we do, Reboot, I got mixed up, so I rewatched this thinking that I was going to do a reboot of La Bamba. Hey, maybe, maybe. You never know, dude. Say, hold on to that. Well, I got great info from my mom. She was like, you don't remember this? We used to watch this all the time. And I was like, no. And she's like, we used to watch this in Spanish all the time. And I was like, what? And she's like, they played this movie nonstop on the Spanish channels when, when you were younger. And I was like, okay, maybe that's where I remembered it from, you know? Yeah, just- yeah. Of course, they had to. They had to play it, especially, you know, with uh, with Richie and uh, Selena dying so early on, we got to preserve their legacy. Oh yeah, that was another yeah. one. That's a, uh, well, us brown kids. <laughs> us those brown are movies. Kids, those are movies you had to watch. And I don't know how old certain other people's are, but my parents, my dad especially, be like, "Man, you got to watch I Love Lucy" because like he was always on Ricky Ricardo. You know, like that's one of us right there, Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> another another white woman. Yeah, yeah, another one. <laughs> Man, they really shaped us. The media, didn't they? <laughs> Corrupting the youth. 
<laughs> with the rock and roll music. With the rock and roll music and all that chingadera. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I was the same age. I was. Uh, you said five years old. Yeah, yeah, 1995 for sure. This was a staple in my home. First time I saw this, it was next door. It was my uncle. As, you know, everything, basically, uh, he helped mold me. And, you know, he rented it. Eventually, we just had the movie, and I would just borrow it from him. Oh, this one for you were telling me earlier how, like, this was a repeat for you. This wasn't for me at all. Like, I would tell you, like, my mom would say, like, we would just watch it all the time. But for me, it wasn't, like, a super staple film. But it's rewatching it, like, damn, it's still pretty good. It holds up, man. It holds up, and it's the acting, really, you know? It really is. It really is. So, La Bamba, released in 1987, is directed by Luis Valdez. He is also the writer of the film. I guess the other notable movie that he is associated with would be Zoot, Zoot Suit. Zoot Suit, yeah. Right? Everybody, another good recommendation if you guys want to see a movie. Zoot Suit, more of a musical with the Navy in L.A. and stuff. It's a hardcore movie. It was based on a true story. Yeah. It's really fun. And Pachucos and all that stuff. Edward J. Momos for you guys if you need to see him again. He was in that. He was also in Selena. Fuck yeah, the dad, huh? Yeah, he Damn, was. everything gets connects. Full circle. <laughs> okay, let's get to the, uh, you know, La Bamba itself. La Bamba is a biographical story about the rise of early rock and roll singer Richie Valens, who tragically died at age 17 in a plane crash along with Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper. That is commonly known in uh, history as the day the music died. Because all those musicians died. Exactly. Right? <laughs> it's so good. That's not good. My Chevy to the levee. Uh. The levee was dry. No, that's so Richie. crazy. Richie. Richie. <laughs> no, but like, just come on. We were talking about three hits. Seven. You're 17, bro. This this movie's just about his that one year where he just went to instant stardom and just a tragic, insane death. Go ahead and mention that stuff that you were mentioning earlier to me off air about how Richie, you know, the, the movie portrays Richie in a very good hearted, you know, uh, uh, he's a, always a good man. You know, he had the right intentions. Yeah, it's his that, biopic, you yeah. know, so you always have to show like a, make your, your main character a little bit better, especially, you know, your titular one. But when I was doing a little bit of research here and I was reading what Bob, the brother was saying, like, he was saying that a lot of things that they didn't put in the movies, like, Richie wasn't as a good boy as he thought he was. He was doing a lot of bad things with me, you know? Even though he's my little brother, we were doing bad things. It's fun to do bad things. But even said, like, you can't really have a movie like this with those kind of elements, and those elements were mainly given to Bob, you know? Because he did them as well, but it was more prevalent and more okay that it was him doing it because you could see that he was doing it, you know? And because Richie was so young at the time. Yeah, only 17. I want to talk about, you mentioned Bob there. Let's go ahead and bring up Bob. Bob's portrayal, S.I.E. Morales, probably his best acting performance ever. I really do consider his portrayal of Bob as the alcoholic brother who feels that he isn't loved, who feels that he was just uh, tossed away. He's second not fiddle. Second fiddle, the, the black sheep, uh, and he resorts to his alcoholism to cope with his own emotions. It really hit home because this reminds me of my uncle. <laughs> like, it really no, does. It's a big problem, man. Like, there's a big problem in a whole bunch of communities. So, you know, just his portrayal, it, it just felt like I knew who that person was. And at an early age, I was five, I understood that who he was. And it's like, oh, that reminds me of so and so. That's how raw and real yeah, it was. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. No, so. the same thing. I was rewatching this with my mom. And, like, there are times in the movie when, you know, you feel for Bob. You really do. 
because that that was also too that the beginning the first script was going to be focused it was Bob's point of view of everything. The you original know, idea for the Bomba was supposed to be through Bob Bob's POV. Eye. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I didn't know so that. So that's why you could see where this for me this too you could see it, it's focused more on Bob and how he feels, you know, relating to his brother. And while I was watching I was stating my mom was just into it. She's like, "Oh my god, look at him. Look at how sad he is." Like, you you understand. I was like, "Yeah, you understand." It. And a lot of it you get you get it straight from his face, you know, like after he's fighting or he's looking at him like Richie differently or his mom differently. It's like you can kind of see it sometimes the pain is like, why don't you love me too sometimes, you know, or I'm just as good, you know, sorry I don't sing, you know, I at least I'm trying to fucking make this artwork and you feel that from him. Yeah, he's trying to make the art. He's also a drug dealer too. Don't oh, yeah. forget. Hey, he has to make money, all right? Hey. Who's a, he bought this parents a house. Yeah. Come on. You want to buy a kilo? <laughs> Remember when he comes out of the, the motorcycle and brings the vest? Shirt? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. did it, Holmes. I love it. Yeah. He was yeah. a great engineer. I loved his character. I, you could really see the emotion and the vulnerability and the anger that he was when he was drunk. But you also see the personality and how charming he could be when he was sober. And, uh, you know, that, that, that duality is really, he hit it on the nail. So I did, yeah, perfectly. Kudos. We still talk about that performance. Richie! Richie! No, it was the heartbreaker, man. That's He was the heart of the film. That's what he was. He was. You know it what was you the know heart what this of reminds the film. me of, too? S.I.E. Morales' portrayal of Bob reminds me a lot of Christian Bale in The Fighter. Yeah, Can you see that? that? Yeah. Can you see that? How he was that dicky? drug-addicted yeah, brother, drug brother who has that talent, that rawness, and is still there, but... Just the fuck up, you know, just a fuck up to the... He's, he's a fuck up, but but at the same time, it's like you feel for him. He's still charming. He's still witty in that way, and it's like you want him to succeed. Oh, yeah, no, especially... I feel that more with Bob in this one. You do want him to succeed. You're like, hey, you want to tell him, like, hey, fool, it's okay, bro. Don't, like, that's just what your brother's doing. Don't think about anything of that. Do what you got to do. Like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to think of that. You know, you're on your own path. Uh, any other scenes that stick out to you? We can go through some scenes. I got a couple. Well, go. Uh, what was one of your majors? Because okay. this is mainly your movie. Okay, so, so, so at, when the movie starts, you see that Richie and his mom and his younger brothers and sisters are literally living in an orange farm. They're they're like set up outside, outdoor living in like a tent, and you know everything is so uh, communal. The showers are communal. The cooking is communal, and everything. So one of the scenes, the original love interest of Richie. Her name is Rosie. Rosie is showering in one of these communal uh, little showering holes. And on top, like uh, where the water tower is, where all the water comes, you see a little pervert little kid. Yeah, just looking down. <laughs> and he's looking down at her. It's like, get out of there, you little pervert. It's like, Cochino. Inappropriate. Like that scene always stuck out to me because it's like, yo, he's just trying to... Trying yeah, to he's trying to look, trying to, be, trying to see who the, the cuties in the in the community, bro. Yeah, at the Orange Grove. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember because in that scene it just said Northern California, so I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So he starts there, and then he makes his way down to Pacoima. Spoiler alert: Pacoima has not changed. <laughs> <laughs> oh I guess may, maybe it has changed a little bit, but it's still kind of like um... no, I still don't go there. <laughs> I don't go there unless I have to, and that's very rarely. That one sticks out to me. Well, that's like one of the funner like comedy elements in it because it does get serious. This movie, you know, have we even talked about Lou Diamond Phillips as Richie Valens? Oh no, huh? Our titular, our main main, our main guy, dude. Our main main dude. <laughs> Let's talk about Richie guys. Who this movie is about? Lou Diamond Phillips. I loved his performance. I thought it was great. This was kind of his uh, breakout role, right? Definitely, and I think that's like one of the main ones people only know him from. That's and I, I told you, like one of my own main controversies of this is just the race thing. You know. Go ahead. Well, for people who don't know, Lou Diamond Phillips is not Chicano, Mex- you know, Mexican American, but he has L, right? He's has 
little bits of heritage of other ethnicities. I thought he was Native American. Native American, I think Filipino is one of them. He has like little traces of everything. But and you have to see the actual photo of Richie Valens and Lou Diamond Phillips together. They do not look alike. Okay, gonna, at I'll, I'll give you that. Okay? They, they, they kind of don't look alike. Yeah. Richie Valens was a bit more pudgy. And a, a, a little bit. Uh, he looked more like Ricky Ricardo, if anything. Oh, you Lou, Lou Diamond skin, Phillips? Yeah, you know? Lou Diamond. Who's saying look? look no, like I said Richie Valens because he was a little bit more pudgier. He had like a wider face. I feel like Lou Diamond Phillips. He's just a really good looking guy. You know, and I don't think Richie Valens was an actual really good looking guy. But he did get like that innocence and just that, I guess that youthfulness. That's what Lou Diamond Phillips I felt really brought to the role. A little bit of IMDb trivia for you right here. So when auditioning for this role specifically, Lou Diamond Phillips' agent didn't tell him the proper role. He thought he was auditioning for a Frankie Valley piece, and it's like, yo, I'm not good for that. Like that's what uh, that's what Richie Lou Diamond Phillips thought. But he went in anyways, and he got the part. Yeah. So you never know. You never know. <laughs> no, that, yeah, his part is good. The only thing I don't like about some of these earlier biopics is the actual singing. I love the singing. The singing is great here. It's bootleg as fuck, it's, bro. It's dubbed by Los Lobos. Yeah, but it's bootleg. The dub is fucking bootleg. You can't, I hate that shit when I know it's not them singing it. You could tell in, in every fucking scene he's singing, it's like, he's not singing. I just don't like that. I want I want that real shit. You know? I, I'm probably forgetting <laughs> that piece of the movie. <laughs> yeah, you got to rewatch it, bro. You got to see. You know, I'm more, it's mis- all. I'm more nostalgic about it. Yeah, I was rewatching. I was like, they could have done this better. Do it again, Richie. Again, <laughs> again, again. Let's again. talk about that scene. Yeah. That's that's the next scene I wanted to talk about. So, well, well, well. So one of the scenes that we're talking about right now, we're just so good, riffing. guys. You got to see this. It's it, so good. It's, it's a montage of Richie recording his song. Come on, let's go. And, it's the first um, number one hit, I right, right? Yeah. yeah. So in when once Richie just gets signed by Delphi Records, he meets uh, Bob King, played by none other than Joe Pantoliano. Cipher for you guys, if you don't know, from Cypher the Matrix. From the Matrix, <laughs> you know, uh, what was he? He was in Memento. He, he, he was in so much shit. You guys don't recognize his face yeah. and his bald head. He's a the classic. Sopranos. He's a he classic. was good. Richie April in The Sopranos. Come on, great no, character. Who was, actor. who was he? Was he Richie April? But yeah, no, he's really Daredevil. Like he's yeah, he's been in so many things. But yeah, they're in his studio and they're going to record this song, and so a montage starts of you know the mu- the music making process, and it's just one of the best scenes I've seen. I love it. It's <laughs> so funny because you know he just keeps on screaming. Richie does well, well, well. The beginning of the song, you know, and just the beginning. <laughs> Bob King, you sound like, can you do it again, Richie? Do it again differently. We already did it. It took seven hours, but we did it. It's done. Yes, but we've got to do it from different angles. Again and again. And again and again and again. You know, like, uh, that's almost there. Can you, a little bit better? This introduced me to the behind-the-scenes aspect of movie making or... Music, you know, making, music making, yeah. Anything, anything, really, because it's so intricate and so detailed, and you got to do take after take, and you really can't hear the difference, and you're freaking out because it's just like... What is wrong with this? Like, you can see the frustration in Richie's. Like, he's like, I don't know what's wrong with half of those takes, man. My yeah. voice sounds great. No, and his brother's there too. Bob's there, and him too. You see it on the side. Like, what the fuck? That sounded good. That's good. What What is this fool talking about? You know? I guess but, it all worked out for him then. Got the hit, bro. Got the hit. That's yeah. all that matters in the end. That's it. Doesn't matter how much time you spend in that in that studio, as long as you get that perfect copy. Fuck it. It's worth it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that scene always stuck out to me, too. Just like he was just 
constantly well well just no the, the sound yeah you guys yeah, gotta yeah. see it's a really good it's a well done montage it's it's hilarious as you really see like there i would say you would see like lou lou diamond philip like fun frustrated like and i love it why do you think this film has remained so culturally relevant I, I try to ask myself while I was watching this, and I think really it is because it, it is one of the more centered stories of any Latin person, Spanish person that was done in the mainstream. That was mainstream. I mean, you know, like, and I think because what the story itself, it like this is not a, it is a full biopic, but it makes it sadder because this guy's life didn't his life started and ended quickly. You know, that seventeen. I think that's what helps this movie too to be like a little piece of musical history without being too much. You know what I mean? Like sometimes in Ray and walk the line in those biopics, I felt that they're trying too much. They're trying to tell too much of a story of this person's life because there's so much life. To Richie tell. didn't have that much. Yeah. You know? So I think that's too, that helps it too. that to keep this story. in. it's like, damn the potential of these got three guys, but we're only talking about one. You know, I think that what's makes peace. Cause this was recently just picked for Congress as well. Right. Exactly. But, yeah. It was just enshrined right now. Let's pull this up was selected in 2017 for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Yeah, I'm not going to give it aesthetically because it's still, like, I would say B, B filmmaking for sure, but I think it's the time as well, 1987, and the equipment. But like I said, the story, the acting, the music is what really gets you because, remember, they're playing the music through the time throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And you see little glimpses of other bands playing, and you're like, wow, this world is crazy. Like, this is an insane world for a 17-year-old to be in. Because you see scene two, like, he's not old enough to be here. It's like, he's just making music. Let him go. You know, let him make his music, and that's it. So in real life, Richie was scared of flying, correct? The movie La Bamba opens up in a middle school with uh, these kids playing outside in recess, and there was an actual real-life plane crash between a DC-7 and an F-89 jet. They collide in midair, and they break up and explode, and all of the debris landed on the playground. They killed some kids, they right? They killed all these kids, um, and Richie was supposed to be in school that day, but he was At attending funeral. the funeral of his grandfather. And, you know, it's just kind of crazy how, like, his— that causes fear of flying, and then that's— and The death— how like he where, ends up you, dying. where you call out your own fate, right? Like, or like, is that irony? Like, semi? Isn't it ironic? I don't know. Not what really, that right? Is. Like, just, what is uh, that? Because premonition, he, and vision. I think in the movie did a really good job of that too. Because it Loki, it, it did, I think the movie did a good job, and it Loki reminded me of like the Breaking Bad, how they used to show like little pieces of stuff in the beginning, the black and white stuff, and then later you would see how you that... see how it connects, huh? You know, and that's what I loved about this one, especially the footage they use of the plane that did crash. It just looks... it's Because it's supposed to be in his dream. He, he has reoccurring nightmares of yes. this plane crash, so it's very dream-like, the images that they've recorded for it. So you're, you're bringing that up right now. The only plane crash that they're showing is the one that happened when Richie was in middle school. They don't mm. actually show the plane crash... At the end. At the end. How do you feel about that? I mean, it's tastefully done. Yes. That's why the, I think that movie also says, too, it's tastefully done. This movie is a, well, like, a P, it has to be PG-13, I think. PG-13. Well, yeah. You know, it's a suitable, this is a family movie. This really is a family movie for, like, adult, you know, a little bit older a bit kids. more mature, I think. Yeah. But, it, like, you know, it shows you those themes, you know, fighting. It's not grotesque. It's not a grotesque movie, you know. It's not vulgar. It's not obscene. So I think it was well done that they didn't show the, 
they just showed the effects that the that the airplane had on his family, you know, and that's way more hurtful right than actually seeing the plane crash and watching them die. Oh my gosh, let's bring that up right here too. So just a bit more trivia for all of you guys. Richie Valens' family were so attached to Lou Diamond Phillips' character as Richie that when he was actually shooting the scene where he gets on the airplane that leads to his death, like the family was literally begging Lou Diamond Phillips, please don't get on. They thought he would die, like shooting, recreating the scene. And, you know, production warned them. It's like, yo, we're going to be filming this the scene. Death scene. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be filming that death scene this day, please. You know, I know it's very tough for you guys. It's very painful. We recommend that you don't come to set that day. But one of his sisters just totally ignored that, and she drove up to the set anyways, and she was just crying and hugging him, just begging him not to get on the plane. So, you know, there's that still emotion. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy shit, and bro. I can get over that, man. That's brutal. Well, that kind of death, come on. Like, that's something you can't. And especially with somebody that you knew didn't like planes. And I think that film did that a good job. You know, he went on a spiritual journey to Mexico to get, like, a protection emblem from over there. Oh, we can talk about the Mexico scene then. Oh, fuck, the prostitute house. So, yes. La Casa de Prostituta. (laughs) It was uh, after, I think, Donna and Richie had taken a little bit of a break. Bob was like, yo, man, cheer up, dude. I'm going to take you screwed, blued, and tattooed. So he takes them (laughs) south of the border. They're on their way to Mexico and for a good time. It's TJ. Where else do you go? Exactly, right? (laughs) It's a beautiful prom. (laughs) And this prom everybody puts out. (laughs) Yeah, quote quote by uh, Bob. Bob. When they're uh, at the brothel, he says that. But yeah, okay, so like that that scene, I guess, that I was talking about earlier is like Bob was saying how there was more scenes in their lives like that. But obviously this movie's not going to show them going to whorehouses every other weekend, <laughs> you know, or doing like any kind of crime. Like Andy Kaufman and Man on the Moon? But, yeah. <laughs> so crazy, bro, like that. But uh, no, man, like that, I love this movie for that. Like I think it's it's not graphic. It's tastefully done. It's a mature story. I think that's part of the reason why it was too young to see, too. But even at that age, and we were the same age when we first saw this, I, I felt that pain. I felt that, you know, uh, uh, emotional connection with these characters, even though I might have been a bit too young to, to really experience that or should experience Or understand that. those feelings, yeah. too, you know? It was more just natural empathy. So maybe that's, what, that's why one of the reasons I feel that it stayed for this long. Right, people have that connection to this movie. This was, what are you saying? You think you don't think people should, or what? What is what is no. your what is your idea? Like, should this be picked for Congress? Of course, I think it should be. I you know that ending too, where it's just like they show the plane taking off, and then just the um, what is the control tower in the airport, just there blinking, 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 and it just stays there for a couple seconds, and then you know we transition to the final scene. Yeah, we got Bob. You know, he's trying to be a better person, but this time in the movie. He is uh, changing his ways. He's trying to be sober. He's living in his own home, and then uh, he's fixing his car in the front front yard. And then you know, a radio bulletin: we interrupt this breaking news. You know, a certain number of people died today. And then you know, they list uh, the names of the the Big Bopper, Buddy Holly. And then they say Richie Valens. He's like, "What the shit?" Yeah. Like he just freaks out. And, and then, then uh, Rosie pops out. She's like, "Did you hear what just happened to?" Like, did they say Rich? You know, and that's the, the surprise moment. A guy, he's like, "Did he say Richie?" He's like, he's, "I think he did say." You know. He said that he runs over to his mom's house because his mom is listening to the same. That one. Exactly. And uh, is that Rick D's? Rick D's voice? They say he is on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it is Rick D's. Damn, that's a throwback. Rick D's is a a famous. Kiss uh, FM over here. Famous DJ over here in uh, Southern California. I guess around the world. And Disco Duck, if you remember that. That was his song, too. Disco. 
Disco duck. You don't remember okay. that? Side quest over. <laughs> let's let's go back to uh, Bob and uh, his mom comforting each other once the news is officially revealed. So this is my first introduction to that song, Sleepwalk. Oh, it's a beautiful ass song. I mean, that's another thing too that lit, you know once you hear that, at least in Hispanic culture, every time you hear that song, every, no matter. Every time you hear that song, no matter where you are, someone is going to scream, Richie! Richie! <laughs> like That's so good, yeah. It's like, it's like something iconic ass phrase. That's what it is. Because you feel that pain. No, oh, the, just... the sound makes it. Because you... remember, that's just a purely instrumental song. Yeah, there's no fucking words to sleepwalk. I wonder how much. That dream, like, it's, like, it's a dream ass song, bro. Yeah. That, I like that ending. It's like. I'm, I'm appreciating it a little bit more now with the touch of that song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. I don't. How successful was that song before the release of La Bamba? I honestly don't know because I think but that I know song, it's an OG classic. It is, it is. But I think that song helped push it to another trajectory. That iconic shit. Yeah, that yeah. iconic oldies music. Yeah, because well, this is for sure an iconic, like Chicano oldies mu- song for sure. This one, Sleepwalk, because you hear it all the time over here on Art LeBeau. Another famous radio station Still here. coming along, dude. He's still <laughs> pumping, dude. Yeah. Art LeBeau, we love you. I think that's too. I think that's what it is, too. It's just a great appreciation because this guy was one of the first Mexican-Americans in California to do this kind of shit, you know, like one of the only first brown people yeah, to be across Chicano mainstream. Rock. Yeah, yeah. Make, make it mainstream. and Mainstream, of course, yeah. All that stuff that you're saying. And you just what I would want to see, like, man, what other music would you these people make? You know, like Buddy Holly, too. Like, that's like the thing with any kind of singers or, like, artist death. You're like... What else were they going to work on next? That's what keeps you interested, and like that's what it keeps their spirits and their their music that they did make and release alive, and people that still listen to them. Because my nieces, I know know the songs too. You know, everybody knows these songs like Donna, La Bamba. I don't even know how you don't know La Bamba. We had to learn that shit in Spanish class in high school. <laughs> like you know, just, just so many things for this movie. It's a long ass movie too, guys. Like it's it, not. It's like, it's like two hours. Not even. It's it like is, an hour forty-five. Test me right now, bro. IMDb. Yeah, that's almost I, two hours. It's an hour forty-eight. It's not two. That's hours. almost twelve minutes, guys. Is that not two hours for a movie? That's a two-hour movie, but it's so well done. It's it, it's well paced that the two hours go by fast for me at least. It's well paced. Two hours. That one forty-eight is a lot for this for this kind of movie. I think. For I just think a, it's just right. All right, we'll disagree on that. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say? Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Movies We Were Hey, wait- Mowgli, can you hold up? What's, what's going on? Can you do the line again? Uh, which line? Do the ending promo. Just start it from the beginning. Well, that's going to conclude today's episode. Wait, wait. Ep- One more time, but well. Okay. No, be a little oh, bit warmer. Okay. Well, that's going to conclude today's episode um, of... Volume up a little bit. You're a little low, low, low higher. Well, well that's going to conclude... Well, that's good. Well, 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 that's That's going to go conclude the episode. Oh, we We are. are, (laughs) episode. (laughs) La Bamba, yeah. Watch it uh, again, again, and again, and again. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody. We had a blast recording this episode. We hope you had fun listening to it as well. Please, if you have not watched La Bamba, or if you have and haven't seen it in a while, go check it out again. It still holds up. It's a great story supporting the brown culture. Thank you guys for listening to Malv and Mowgli. If you subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars. It'll help us out tremendously. We want to start 2021 off on a good foot. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, Malv underscore N underscore Mowgli. Questions, comments, or anything you guys like to say to us, 
Email us at malvinmogley at gmail.com. Anything else? No, this is going to be a beautiful year, guys. Beautiful year. Thank you. Got a bunch more fun things planned for this. And just remember, Richie! Richie! Richie!